2: From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, some consumers are experiencing sticker shock over products like used cars, meat, lumber. The Consumer Price Index rose by 5% in May compared to a year ago, the sharpest rise since 2008. We'll talk about what's driving the increases and whether they'll be short-lived. Then... A new study has found Lyme disease carrying ticks in California's coastal areas, especially in Northern California. How worried should you be as you head to the beach? We learn more next on Forum. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. In his New York Times piece earlier this month, Ben Castleman writes this is a strange moment for the U.S. economy as he grapples with a number of economic trends. Key among them, the price increases that we're seeing for certain things like lumber, airline tickets and used cars. He joins us now to help us understand the story behind these rising prices that we're experiencing. Welcome to Forum, Ben Castleman. Thanks so much for having me. So to help us understand what's going on, I I wanted to focus on a couple of examples. First, the price of used cars. Last week's Consumer Price Index report says it's gone up some like 30% over last year. Can you talk about what's going on here?
1: Yeah. I mean, so we've seen a really remarkable uh, run-up in used car prices. I mean, it, it's been uh, something like 18% just over the last couple of months. So, right, that means if there was a car you were looking at buying that was going to be, you know, $10,000 a couple months ago, it would be close to $12,000 now, right? I mean, this is this is a big deal. Um, this is an example of one of many things where there's some sort of strange uh, interactions all happening in the economy at once. So. A lot of the used cars that you buy uh, were actually once rental cars. Rental car companies buy a, whole bunch of u- buy a whole bunch of new cars. People drive them for a year or two, and then they sell them off to used car lots. Well, if you go back a year ago, nobody was renting cars. Rental car companies were in a you know huge, a ton of trouble because of the pandemic. So they were definitely not buying cars. In many cases, they were selling off a whole bunch of cars at once and getting rid of them. Fast forward a year later... Rental car companies aren't selling any cars to be used cars, so there's a shortage of used cars out there at the same moment that a lot of people are out there trying to buy cars. Maybe you're going back to work and you need a car. Maybe you got that stimulus check, and so it's a good time to buy a car. Maybe you wanted to buy a new car, but it's pretty tough to find one right now for a whole other set of supply chain issues. And so the result is that you've got a surge in demand for used cars and a shortage of supply for used cars. And, uh, you know, Econ 101 tells us what happens then. Prices go up.
2: Right, classic supply not meeting demand here. And then you were mentioning new cars and the semiconductor issues related to that. But basically we're seeing this sort of mismatch between supply and demand brought on by very unique circumstances of the pandemic and the pandemic waning now so does that mean that things will start to level off that things will start to normalize some ben castleman
1: yeah i mean that is the hope right so so there are a whole bunch of these things that we can point to prices that we can point to right now that have risen really quickly but for some very specific reasons used cars are an example of that a lot of things related to uh To industries that were really hit hard by the pandemic, right? Airfares collapsed a year ago. Nobody was flying. Now airfares are coming back in a big way. Hotel rates, rental car rates, uh, you know, we're starting to see some of this in restaurant pricing. those are all things where we can point really clearly to a set of explanations for what's going on. And we can say, okay, this is probably just a temporary factor. There's no reason to think airfares are going to keep going up like crazy forever. They're just getting back to some sort of normal. There's no reason to think used car prices will go up another 10% next month. right? They've, they've you know, rebounded a lot, but that's going to sort things out. And assuming that all of that is correct, and that's what most economists I talk to expect, then yeah, we should start to see this kind of moderate over time. I think there are some concerns about how this could spread more widely through the economy and could start to feed on itself in a way that could become a little bit more problematic.
2: So that's what you look for if you're someone who's trying to decide whether or not these are just transitory issues that will level off or whether it's more of a widespread problem in the economy is just what other what other economic data are also showing problems, are also showing spikes that you sh- wouldn't expect related to the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I mean, so there are a couple of things that we can watch for here. And unfortunately, none of these are easy to discern in real time, right? I mean, the, the real answer here is hold on, wait six months, and let's talk again in the fall and see where we are. Um, But understandably, right, nobody is is too interested in doing that. (laughs) So yeah, we can look and try to see whether we're seeing these price increases spread more widely in the economy. Is it hitting rent? Is it hitting health care? Is it hitting sort of a range of other things that were a little bit less affected in some ways by the pandemic? And then we can watch sort of how people are actually feeling about these things. So this this get sounds a little bit wishy-washy, but inflation is in part about expectations. If if I go to the store and I see that prices are up a little bit this week, I might kind of gnash my teeth and and complain about it, uh, you know, that evening, but I probably deal with it. If I go week after week after week and prices are higher and they're higher and they're higher, at some point, I'm going to have to go to my boss and say, come on, you've seen what's happening with prices. you got to give me a raise. And a whole bunch of us going to our bosses and saying, give me a raise means now our employers have to raise prices for whatever products they sell. And you get this this cycle where it feeds on itself, and we start to see faster inflation. Mm. There's not very much evidence for that happening yet. But that is sort of what we're watching for, as as sort of we tell a story of how this could conceivably lead to faster inflation down the road.
2: I see. We're talking with Ben Castleman, economics reporter for The New York Times. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. I'm curious if you've noticed whether any products you're used to buying are becoming more expensive. Are you worried about this? Are you worried about inflation? What questions do you have about the economic forces at play right now as the economy gets going again, or as the pandemic wanes, you can give us a call. And I should note that we have a different call-in number for today. It's 415-553-3387. Again, that's 415 553 and you can still get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQBD Forum. Email us, forum at KQBD.org if you have additional questions or comments that you want to post online. Again, that number, 415-553-3387. So, Ben Kesselman, one thing that appears to be happening is that the cost of lumber or lumber prices are leveling off first can you explain what happened with lumber (laughs) because i remember speaking with a friend of mine who was trying to put in a fence and they were just shocked a month ago at the quote that they were getting
1: yeah i mean it was pretty crazy for a while there you know, in, in some ways, this is a similar story to what happened with used cars. So what happened when we go back to the beginning of the pandemic is everybody expected this huge collapse in the economy. And of course, we saw that in many ways. Um, and so normally what happens when we see a collapse in the economy? Well, demand for basically everything slows down. The housing market slows down. Home construction slows down. And so lumber producers, lumber mills, pulled back production. They said, well, clearly nobody's going to want lumber for a little while. Well, that's not quite what happened in the end, right? We ended up seeing the housing market was really strong last year for a whole bunch of reasons. We saw home construction has actually picked up. A lot of people decided to get out of San Francisco and New York and move to the suburbs for more space while they're working from home. Interest rates were low. People were doing all those home improvement projects while they were home during the pandemic. So lumber demand went up right at a moment when lumber supply again was, was low. Now we're starting to see that turnaround, right? We talked about econ 101. Well, it's playing out basically the way you'd expect. Prices go up. And so some people say, you know what, that home improvement project can wait a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't know if your friend went ahead and bought their fence posts, but a lot of people, you know, decided that maybe this wasn't the moment. So we've seen demand ebb a little bit. And at the same time, we've seen production come back. We've seen lots of Lumber mills say, oh, wow, look at these prices. You know, we're going to produce as quickly as possible. But those things don't happen overnight. And so it takes time for that to kind of work its way through the system.
2: Well, we have some listeners writing in in response to our question. If you're worried about inflation, this listener tweeted, no, it's temporary due to pent up demand. And another listener wrote, it's supply chain disruption too. people who panic, buy paper products, should obtain their construction materials from something other than lumber one of the things I was struck by, uh, Ben Castleman, is you saying that it's psychological to some extent, that inflation can be a self-fulfilling prophecy if people get worried and panic and so on and start to start to demand more as a result, which could then raise prices uh, down the line, whether it be from employers or companies. But the thing I guess I'm wondering is, You know, this consumer price index is showing these very, very large increases from last year. And I'm wondering if we shouldn't even be comparing it so much to a year ago, but rather we should be looking at where we are, say, from two years ago. Is that a better comparison and maybe helping to keep some of the panic at bay? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, so the, the comparison to a year ago is definitely a little bit strange right now because if you think back to a year ago, and especially you know, this the data that we're talking about here is from April and from May, right? A, a April and May a year ago were the absolute, you know, worst of the, yeah. of the shutdown period, and we saw at that time prices for a lot of goods, uh, toilet paper notably not among them, right? <laughs> but for a lot of goods, prices actually fell a year ago. If you wanted to get on a plane. A year ago, you could get on extremely cheaply. Not very many of us wanted to do that. Um, If you needed to get a hotel room, it was very cheap at that point. And so, you know, when we're comparing these year-over-year numbers, uh, then you're comparing it to the sort of very deflated prices from a year ago. I, I will say that is certainly part of what's happening here, but it's by no means the entire. Story, you know, if you look at prices just over the last few months, for example, you see a lot of these increases pretty dramatically. If you look over a couple of years, um, you know, you you still see it. So, so it's not a question. That's certainly not the only thing that that's happening here, especially in some of those those categories that have been most affected.
2: Yeah. So, I mean. There, sure, it's, but it's still, there are some very interesting things that are worth really looking at. And as you're saying, it just really doesn't sound like people know for sure whether or not this will all basically calm down, mainly because we've just never been in a situation like this, or at least we can't really find maybe a historical example that really helps us kind of layer what we're experiencing now on top of it.
1: No, that's right. I mean, you know, you you look back for sort of historical parallels, right? We've had periods in the past where we've had fast inflation. We've had periods in the past where there have been, you know, supply chain disruptions, but we've never seen a moment where we basically shut down the economy and then tried to turn it back on again. And so there's just no moment that we can point to and say, oh, this is what happens during periods like that.
2: We're talking with Ben Castleman, economics reporter for The New York Times, about rising consumer prices and what they mean and how worried we should be. We'll get to your calls right after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about rising consumer prices with Ben Castleman, economics reporter for The New York Times, and asking you, our listeners, if you've noticed whether any products you're used to buying are becoming more expensive. And and if you have questions about the economic forces that are at play right now, you can call us again at a different call-in number for today, which is 415-553-3387. Again, that's 415-553-3387. You can reach us on Twitter or Facebook. At KQBD Forum, and you can email us forum at kqbd.org. And let me go to Bill in Alameda. Hi, Bill.
3: Yes, good morning. Uh, um, very quickly, I am a practicing uh, uh, microeconomist among also being an essential worker in a hardware store. Hmm. And I would uh, question or at least point out that I think the biggest thing that we've run into that has caused extreme price increases is actually going or having to, uh, uh, shall we say, divert from just-in-time inventory price control or price change or supply chains to just-in-case. And also, that has caused a a great deal of difficulty in rearranging where things are. Every price in the store has gone up. Uh, No no ifs, ands, or buts over a course of time. And it started off with Trump with his... uh, 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 what I call sheriff's sonatas in the metal industry, and then went into other products as well. Right now, we're seeing it in anything associated with petrochemicals.
2: Hmm. Bill, thanks. Hmm. Ben Castle, what do you make of Bill's experience?
1: There's a lot of uh, truth to the idea that some of the supply chain issues that we've been seeing for a while now have been flowing through. Right? My my brother runs a hardware store uh, up in Vermont and has uh, has shared some some similar tales of sort of trying to to get products being challenging during this period and, and then you know figuring out how much you need to keep on hand is very difficult uh, and then of course the pricing of all those things. You know I think that there are there are long run and and short run questions here. Uh, You know, we certainly, you could imagine that after the supply chain disruptions that we've seen over the last year, you know, many companies may want to keep some more things in inventory. Um, You know, if you've discovered that you can't always get the products that you need at the drop of a hat, then, you know, maybe you need to keep a few more things on hand. and, And that can drive up prices a little bit uh, at, the, at the margin. Uh, and then you've got all these short- run questions around you know how that house stores can restock their shelves at a moment when you know demand is really high it, it's hard to get labor right now. So there are a lot of different pieces that are playing out here. I think what we haven't yet seen sort of clear evidence of is a, is a real increase in the sort of underlying, rate of inflation. We, we've seen, you know, these specific price spikes. We've seen sort of a, a gradual updrift in prices, but we haven't seen a lot of evidence that price growth is is increasing sort of across the board in, a, in any way that we'd expect to be sustained.
2: Well, let me go next to Margie in San Jose. Hi, Margie. Hi. I am concerned about the price of food rising and increasing uh to basics basic foods not uh anything luxurious you know or um so what can we look forward to there Mm. thanks margie the other thing that i have been hearing from people is they're they're finding that there are products that are in smaller packaging but priced exactly the same way (laughs) at the grocery store so people are getting less but paying just as much
1: yeah I mean this of course is a classic strategy right rather than raise the raise the price you just you know give everybody a little bit less you know I think that actually that speaks a little bit to some of the um some of the reason that that many economists don't expect this to be long lasting which is that companies are still really reluctant to Raise prices, right? They're trying to try out all of these other methods Hmm. to keep price increases in check because they're basically not sure that if they raise prices, they'll hold on to business. You know, consumers, we've really been trained over, you know, a couple of decades now to expect prices to rise only very slowly. It's gotten very easy to shop around, uh, right? Especially, you know, if you're buying online, it's very easy to shop around. If you're in a store, you can look up and see what something would cost on Amazon or somewhere else. And so, you know, companies are really nervous to to pass on price increases. So even when they see, you know, that their input prices go up, they're not necessarily going ahead and raising prices. But, you know, I I will say something that the caller points out that I think is really important is that even if these things are temporary or even if they're not widespread, that doesn't mean that they're not painful for people. And, you know, we can say, oh, well, I don't think that this is going to be a, you know, long running inflationary problem. But if you're trying to, you know, fill your refrigerator this week, you know, that can still be really painful. And I think it's important not to, to lose sight of that.
2: Oh, yes. It's not insignificant in any way. Let me go to caller Scott in Riverside next. Hi, Scott. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Uh, I, um, I retired in
0: 2014. I've been watching my budget a little more closely than I ever did when I was working. And I noticed in the next five years prior to the pandemic, uh, things like restaurant meals, just all of a sudden, uh, three years later, I was paying twice as much for the same meal. And uh, it was, uh, I I had this conversation with my financial advisor, you and he he couldn't disagree with me, but he stood to the party line of all financial institutions that uh, were not really seeing inflation yet.
2: Hmm.
0: But, except when I go to buy things.
2: Well, Scott, I think you're raising some interesting points here. One of the things being, what can you tell us, Ben Kasselman, about prices on goods or things related
1: to services like at restaurants?
2: What kinds of changes are we seeing there that people are watching closely?
1: You know, I think a lot of us are expecting – restaurant prices to increase pretty significantly right now. right? There are a ton of people who are now uh, willing and uh, feeling safe eating out again uh, for the first time in quite a while. Uh, and we hear a lot from restaurants about the difficulties that they're having finding uh, workers right now. And so in many cases, they're they're raising pay. And, and so you would think that would increase prices as well. You know, we haven't actually seen all that much evidence of that yet we have seen restaurant prices come up a little bit but not in the kind of way that we we've seen you know say hotels or airfare um, you know i think it is it's tricky in general here there are certain prices that we are all extremely aware of right i mean the classic case of this is gas prices right if you, you know you drive down the highway every day and you see gas prices posted and you're extremely aware of you know whether the price of gas goes up by a couple of pennies you know restaurant meals are an example too right you're very conscious of signing that check and if you know that a check that used to be forty dollars is now you know forty five dollars that's something that you you know very much notice there are a lot of other prices that you know we don't pay as frequently And so maybe a little bit less aware of or they don't adjust as quickly. And so this is part of why economists do try to pay attention to overall measures of prices and not just to the things that they they note that, you know, those of us who are paying prices notice most frequently because we're not necessarily very good at assessing kind of what overall prices are doing just from our day to day experiences.
2: I am really curious though. I guess it sounds like you're saying that this labor shortage that people are talking about, or the difficulty rehiring staff, say in sectors like the restaurant industry, that it's not necessarily showing up in prices dramatically yet. But I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about that. And and also, what is driving the labor
1: shortage? Because it
2: seems like there is a lot of debate over this.
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's another one of these big questions about sort of what is happening here. Um, You know, if you talk to a lot of business owners, what they will tell you is that it's all about unemployment benefits, that we're we're paying out uh, extra unemployment benefits during this pandemic period. That was really important in a lot of people's lives last year. Um, but there are a lot of business owners who will say it's really hard to get people to come work when there are, uh, you know, more generous benefits that allow them to people to stay home. There are a lot of other things that people can point to as well, uh, right? Childcare is still a big issue for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people are only recently vaccinated and so may not have felt safe until very recently going back to work or still, uh, you know, in the process of getting vaccinated. It's also just really hard to, you know, we, we said before the break, right, that, that we're reopening an economy after shutting it down. We don't have a lot of practice with that. It's hard to hire in the best of times. And if you are suddenly trying to hire an entire staff in a moment of intense demand, you know, that takes some time. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of these forces playing out at once, and it's kind of hard to, to tease them apart cleanly. I think, you know, we are seeing some evidence that wages are rising, particularly for workers kind of further down the earnings spectrum. Um, you know, for businesses, that's a real expense. For a lot of those workers, this is finally a chance to see some wage gains after a really long period where they had very little bargaining power. And so, you know, whether you look at that as a as a potential problem for the economy or as a rare moment of opportunity for the economy, I think depends pretty heavily on your perspective.
2: Hmm. Well, we're talking with Ben Castleman, economics reporter for The New York Times. We're asking you, our listeners, if you've noticed any products that you're used to buying becoming more expensive or if you're worried about inflation. Also, what questions you might have about the economic forces at play right now. John asks, why is inflation a problem? What inflation rate is bad? Hmm. It's
1: a great, it's a great question (laughs) with no easy answer. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, right? Runaway inflation is very clearly bad. Um, and I don't even just mean, you know, hyperinflation, like the handful of episodes that we've seen in history. But if inflation is going up from 2% to 3% to 5% to 10%, right, that becomes very, very tricky for a lot of people, right? We had a you know, caller earlier who's, on a, who's retired, who's on a fixed income. If you're on uh, an income that doesn't rise along with inflation, then inflation can be very problematic for you. If you're a business where you buy products and you do something to them and you sell them for right if that takes some time it can be a real problem if you know your input prices are always rising rapidly uh and particularly in unpredictable ways so i think you know there's no question that that inflation that is too high is a problem uh i should note that Deflation, prices going down, is in some ways an even bigger problem, uh, and this has been something they've dealt with in Japan for a long time. So then the question is, well, what is the right amount? The Federal Reserve has kind of said that something around 2% inflation over the longer term is kind of what they feel is a, is the right level. Um, that's something that people can kind of manage, but it's not so close to deflation that things are are bad. But there are plenty of people who would say, well, there's nothing magic about 2%. It could be 3%. It could be 4%. I think the concern that, that a lot of economists want to avoid is people having no idea, right, that you want sort of a, a level that people get comfortable with, that they can expect that having some predictability is really important.
2: I guess this is a good time to just remind us what do regulators, what tools do they have to temper inflation and and what are they saying right now about this situation?
1: Yeah, so when we normally think of inflation as something that the Federal Reserve is responsible for dealing with. And the, the Federal Reserve's classic tool is to raise interest rates, that if it becomes more expensive to borrow money, uh, that fewer people will, will borrow. There's less money in the economy and that that eventually uh, pulls back inflation. And the Fed has a pretty clear documented history of being able to deal with this. You know, we had really high inflation in the 1970s, and the Fed finally said enough of this under Paul Volcker. They raised interest rates through the roof. Anybody who was buying a house in the uh, early 1980s has sort of permanently scarred, I think, by this experience. But it succeeded. They, they kind of, they, they so-called broke the back of inflation. And the expectation is that if the Fed needed to do that again, that they could, but that came at a significant cost to the economy. You know, the the White House recently has been talking a lot about trying to deal with inflation in these specific areas that we're talking about in a more fine-tuned way. So is there a way to increase lumber supplies to deal with lumber inflation? Is there a way to deal with, uh, you know, to make sure that there are enough cars out there so that we can, we don't have, you know, crazy runaway price growth in used cars, rather than just these sort of general tools um, that that we're used to with the Federal Reserve.
2: And do you feel like that's smart?
1: <laughs> I, I think it's pretty untested territory. Uh, mm. You know, we haven't for a long time seen, uh, you know, many cases where, at least in the U.S., where. The government has kind of tried to tinker with things at that level. Um, it'll be really interesting to see whether it, it works in this case.
2: What should we make of the market reaction to the inflation data we're seeing? My understanding is that they didn't seem, investors didn't seem to be panicking, at least there weren't signs of that as of last Friday. <laughs>
1: No, very much so, you know, it's an interesting case where we're seeing a lot of talk in the in the media. Obviously, our conversation right now is an example of this, a lot of talk about inflation, a lot of headlines about inflation. Um, investors so far don't seem particularly concerned about it. And, you know, I think that the that suggests that there's a lot of confidence that if the Federal Reserve needs to step in and act and control inflation, that they can do so. And and so it's more evidence that kind of this expectation spiral that we were talking about earlier has not yet happened. That doesn't mean it can't, but, but there's not a lot of evidence for it so far.
2: Well, let me go to caller Michael in Oakland. Hi, Michael. Thanks for waiting. Hi. Hi. Um... I just wanted to caution,
4: uh, Rachel, actually, the way you even posed the question, which is, have you as an individual consumer uh, noticed prices going up? Um, it's really important when we're thinking about the economy that we all discipline ourselves against getting fixated on the price increases that we notice, because it's a quirk of our psychology that we really tend to notice when the prices of things go up, but we fail to notice when either the price of the same thing later goes down or even when the prices of other things are going down at the same time, we mm. sort of get the impression that prices are always going up and it's all going to hell. When in fact, you know, the real prices of most things tend to go down over time. Uh, even when you mention food, obviously the, the pandemic has just thrown everything for a complete uh, haymaker. But historically, you know, prices is a share of our income have been going down pretty steadily with occasional blips for individual items since the 1970s. Like, we pay nothing for food. And yet if you ask an average person, they would say, oh, yeah, the prices of food, they've just been going up and up. It's just hard. And it's just, we we just, our our brains are not disciplined to data. So we really need hard numbers when we're trying to judge these things.
2: Michael, thanks. And probably
4: believe it economic professors.
2: Well, well, I appreciate your point. And I think um, you are underscoring some aspects of what we were saying, Ben, about the psychological parts of this. But what about Michael's broader point about ultimately prices are going down?
1: No, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that they're I think the caller is exactly right, that that we aren't very good at estimating these kinds of things ourselves. And, and you don't tend to notice the things where prices Go down. Um, you know, if you've bought a TV recently, right? A TV is, you know, dramatically better than one you would have bought ten years ago, and and probably the actual dollar figure you pay is, if anything, less than it would have been back then. But you don't buy TVs very often, right? Compared to how often you buy you buy gas, and so you don't tend to to notice it. You know I think it's worth remembering that the the challenge that we've had on inflation for the last, you know, 10 20 years has been that inflation has been lower mm. than the Fed for example wants to see. You know I mentioned that 2% target we've consistently missed that to the downside. Now that sounds like no big deal, right? Great. I don't see these these higher prices, but that that suggests an economy that was not really pumping on all cylinders. And there are a lot of reasons from demographics to globalization to technology to expect there to be kind of a lid on inflation. A lot of forces sort of pushing inflation down right now. And, uh, you know, it's possible that we'll see some turnaround where we see prices go higher, but but we haven't seen much evidence for that yet. and And there's a lot of reason to be suspicious of it.
2: Do you have a second? We just have 30 seconds left to answer this listener's question about why shipping prices are so high and whether this will be transitory. This seems like it will push up prices of many things. Shipping?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, we've sort of seen a lot of pandemic-related disruptions. And we all remember, of course, the, the Suez uh, Canal <laughs> crisis that we saw recently. Yes. Um, And, you know, it was worth keeping, keeping in mind the pandemic has eased a lot in the U.S., but it's still very much uh, in force in much of the world. And, and that's going to affect products uh, in a lot of different places.
2: That's a really important point. Well, Ben Kasman, really appreciate having your insights on today. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Ben Castleman, economics reporter for The New York Times. We've been talking about rising consumer prices and how worried we should be. Uh, I guess in that same vein, we'll be talking next segment about ticks. We're seeing some more Lyme disease-carrying ticks in California. So we'll talk more about that after the break. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.